April 26, 2023, we're in Masechet Betzandaf, Tetvav If you count from the bottom of the Amud upward, it's 12 lines before the end, and it's two words before the end of the line, or five words rather, six words before the end of the line. Amar Biohanan, Ushnehem Mikra Echad Dareshu. If you recall the context of the Gemara, is this mahlok, this dispute between Abili Ezer and Biyoshua. What's the appropriate way of fulfilling Simhat Yom Tov according to Abili Ezer? As he explained, uh, you can, if you'd like to, fulfill it through Kulola Hashem, full indulgence in Talmud Torah. Alternatively, you could do Kulola Hashem, you can uh, involve yourself in indulgence in the physical sense, in eating and drinking. So to be the Aziz's opinion, to be Oshua alternatively has it a little bit uh, more carefully and sensitively mapped out. Has to be Hetziola Hashem and Hetziola Hashem. Yom Tov is supposed to be fulfilled with regards to its Simcha in specific ways. It's not your choice what's going to be the way uh, to do so. In the words of Rabbi Li'ezer Rishut, absolutely not. Says Rabbi Yoshua, you have to split it. You have to work in the day to make certain that you're splitting it in that respect, half with regards to Torah and Tefillah, and half with regards to your meals and rejoicing with family. And says the Gemara, now Rabbi Yohanan commenting on those two opinions, you should know they seem so distant in their understanding, and they are, and how the nature of the day will unfold, but they really derive their opinions from the same Pesukim. Shnehem, both of them, Rabbi Li'ezer and Bi'oshua, Mikra Echa Dareshu. It's single Pasuk, or single Pesukim, that they, uh, that they disagree about. Katuv Echadomer, on the one hand, the Pasuk says, with regards to the seventh day of Pesach, Aseret L'Adonai Eloheicha. It's a day in which you're going to stop. We call that Yom Tov. And it's going to be celebrated and appreciated. Alternatively, the other pasuk with regards to Shemini Aseret, of course, using the same word, Aseret, says Aseret Tihye Lachem. The Aseret, the stopping, the Yom Tov should be for you. So how do we understand this? We could, of course, say it's a reference to two different days. Alternatively, the fact that the Torah uses the word atzeret in both contexts, both with regards to the Yom Tov at the end of Pesach, the seventh day, and Shimni atzeret, the Yom Tov at the end of Sukkot, makes us understand there's something that they hold in common. As a result, we want to be able to understand these two pesukim in conjunction, instead of seeing them as conflicting one with the other. Ha-ketzahat, how do you understand, how do you resolve what seems to be a contradiction? Is it lachem atzeret, the Yom Tov? Or is it alternatively, La Hashem Elokecha? Bili'ezah's opinion is each one of them is providing an option. You can either do Simchat Yom Tov through Talmud Torah, through Tefillah, through absolute spiritual elation, or alternatively, you can do it at the same time or separately with Kulolachim through your own involvement in eating and drinking. Rabbi Yoshua says, Why are you reading those Pesukim as exclusive options? As different approaches, it Savar, and needs to be fulfilled in conjunction at once. It needs to be split Yom Tov, half of it Lachem, and half of it for Hashem. Which means to say, ultimately speaking, to be Hanan, although he doesn't change the opinions of Rabbi Eliezer and Yoshua, it brings them closer to one another because they're really grappling with the same, what seems to be inconsistency in the Pesukim. Is Aseret Lachem? Or is Aseret Lahashem? That's how each of them derives their opinion. Now the Gemara returns to the story which we left off with to a certain extent yesterday. And that was Rabbi Li'ezer. After the six groups of students had left the Beit Midrash, 
the remaining students, if you recall, their face started to change colors. They were getting all nervous. What's the rabbi going to say to us? And he was very praiseful uh, praise, uh, to them. He said, you're doing the right thing. And ultimately speaking, when the class ended, he recited to them, if you recall, this pasuk from Sefer Nehemiah. Let's return to that pasuk for one more minute. The pasuk says, lahem, This is the words of Ezra to the people as they're gathered on Rosh Hashanah. Uh, after the return to Eretz Yisrael, uh, after the destruction of the second Bet Hamikdash and the first Galut, by Yom Elahem it's in Sefer Nehemiah, lechu ichlu mashmanim ushtu mamtakim v'shilhu manot leenachono. The pasuk says, "Don't be saddened by uh, the laws and interpretations of the Torah that we've just set forth in front of you." And there were many, and the people were sad, and they hadn't fulfilled them properly. There were a lot of issues in the spiritual halachic sense. But he says, don't, don't be saddened right now. Eat fat, good foods. Drink sweet, delicious uh, beverages. Send food to he or she who's who doesn't have it worked out who somehow is missing. We'll return to those words in a moment. Ki kadosh hayom ladonenu, today Rosh Hashanah is a sanctified day for God. Ve'al te'asevu, don't be saddened. Ki chedvat Adonai hi ma'uzechem, because the happiness of God, in other words, we'll have to understand this, is ma'uzechem, that provides your strength. Says the Gemara, okay, let's break down this pasuk a little bit, try to understand perhaps its implications, not only for the people then, but for us right now, first and foremost, what did the words mean in the Pasuk when there was an expression, send food le'en nachono? Those are extra words, seemingly unnecessarily so. Instead of saying send food le'enlo, send food to the person who doesn't have, it says it a little bit more precisely, le'en nachono, to the one who doesn't have it worked out. What's with that excessive language? What's with the superfluous words? Perhaps it's a reference to our issue. Maybe it's a reference to, well, it's Rosh Hashanah, and there might be people who haven't yet put or haven't dealt with before the holiday. They're not going to have food for Shabbat. Help them out. Send them food. Of course, this is an asmachta. It's not, quote-unquote, as much as an asmachta as the ones we learned earlier, because we're at this point dealing with the days of Ezra. We're already past the biblical era. But still, that that's his particular reference. You have to understand that the Rasha in the context of an asmachta. They're reading the Pesukim and trying to send a message with regards to our uh, purposeful mindset entering into the holiday. So again, so if you find a person, so to speak, who doesn't have Eruv Tafshilin, he's en nachono, give him food. Ikade Amre, alternatively, uh, don't help anyone who doesn't have Eruv Tafshilin. Oh, what do you mean? Well, says the Gemara, if you find a person who was neglectful in not putting his Eruv Tafshilin, who could have and should have, but didn't, uh, there's a class, there's a penalty. Let him uh, suffer a little bit. Let him learn it the hard way. There are those who alternatively explain it, not like Rav Hasda did. Anyone who doesn't have Eruv Tavshilin makes certain that you send him food. Rav Hasda specifically said, not anyone who doesn't have Eruv Tavshilin, but rather anyone who could not have Eruv Tavshilin. 
I mean, he couldn't have Eruv Tavshilin. Rashi, in the second wide line, says, Shelo hayalo lehaniach, kegon, for example, she'aveda lo aveda me'erv yom tov. For example, he lost something on Erev Yom Tov, and as a result, he was immersed in the entirety of the day of Erev Yom Tov, looking for that which he lost. Oh, someone who had a pressing need, someone who had a difficult situation on Erev Yom Tov, they left the Eruv Tavshilin either because they needed to or because they decided it was most appropriate on Erev Yom Tov, they didn't have a spare moment, that person helped him out. But a person alternatively who could have, well, there's a knas. Leave him be. Don't help him out. He's a poshia. He was negligent. And as a result, there's no responsibility. It doesn't mean that you can't help him. We can help negligent people. It means... After, we're coming back to the Yerushalayim. After the story of Purim, Mordechai brings us all together. And you think, and they're trying to say the pasuk is saying the guy's no good. Well, worse than that, Rabbi. All of a sudden, you're the judge now. Yeah. This guy he forgot. This guy he this didn't forget. You know what? I'm still uh, the guy. Yeah, but you know the difference. Uh, I mean, guy that really I want to also. Out of I, but I'm going to give you a different perspective, Jesse. Okay, you're, you're coming out of exile, back. and we're trying to bring everyone together, but. There's a very fine line that needs to be established over here. On the one hand, we want unity. On the other hand, we don't want to lose vision of our objectives, of our values, of our ideals. Our values, our objective ideals are the system, are the tradition. So yes, I want to extend myself with love and brotherhood to everyone. At the same time, I need to make clear what our values are. So if someone's poshia, I don't know how you're determining that per se. I don't know if you're looking into their schedule. But you need to make certain that we're binding ourselves together. Otherwise, I mean, listen, as community leaders and community lay people deal with these sorts of issues all the time. What We want unity. We want all families together. But what about that person who brazenly is not uh, is, is rebelling? That person who seems to not care at all? Uh, there's decisions to be made. What I'm saying is it's not so much against the grain of the time and what we're, our objective is. It means that there's a fine line that needs to be struck. Don't we say at the end of the day that we got in there, we got in there. The Gemara will on, on Daf Tetzayin address that. At this point, just don't send them. Okay. But Charles is asking, practically speaking, he might be getting nervous. Although, I'll tell you, in Cabo, we left one last year, so there's no, we, we, we covered it. But um, I, he says, uh, uh, in, in the practical sense, if you were to have not left, he says, as, as we've been alluding to, there's a loophole here. All right, we'll address it, but the, even that loophole has, has, has poshea, that's right, has poshea implications and uh, guidelines. Aval Mishayalo says, okay, says the Gemara, okay, what about the end of the Pasuk? The end of the Pasuk had that interesting poetic language. Ki Adonai Make certain to send the presents, the, the food, and enjoy yourself because the happiness of God is your strength. What does that mean? So as the Gemara Mai, what does it mean when the Pasuk says, Ki chedvat adonai ma'uzikim, ma'ar b'yohanan, shum rabbi li'ezim b'rabbi shimon, amalahem ha'kadosh baruchu li'israel. It's a derasha, the derasha is kivyachol, borei olam, turned to Am Yisrael and said to them, banai, my sons, levu alai, if you don't have the money, you don't have the means and the ability to sustain yourself with food for the holiday, take loans, it's on me. Kadeshu Kedushat Hayom. Make certain that you sanctify the day with Kiddush, with the appropriate food for your meals. But I don't have the money. This is irresponsible. I don't spend like this. Ha'aminubi. In this situation, have faith in me. And make certain that the foundations are set in place and you know, Ani Porea, I'll pay you back. I'll handle this. This one's on me. 
So the Chedvat Adonai, he ma'uzechem then the derashayas, that the rejoicing with the knowledge, with the mindset of this is for God, it's ma'uzechem. That gives you strength because God has put his stamp of not only approval, but of commitment. If you do this right, I'm going to follow through. If you do this, even though it makes, puts you in a vulnerable, difficult situation, but you have the right mindset, it's Chedvat Hashem, he ma'uzechem, that'll be your strength. Uh, Tosafot in the top right-hand corner questions this from a well-known Gemara elsewhere. The, the well-known Gemara elsewhere, which is at this point almost uh, an expression that people uh, quote, Hadama, what about the Gemara? Masech Pesachim in several places. There's an alternative statement of the rabbis that it's better to, not in the full sense, but to have your meals on Shabbat almost appear like weekday meals because you don't have the money for them, instead of going and asking others for money or for food. Now that seems to be a blatant, stark contradiction to this statement. On the one hand, our Gemara says, is a suggestion, is a prodding us. Go borrow, and I'll pay back. On the other hand, the Gemara elsewhere says, it's not the proper mode, not in life, not even for Shabbat. Instead of being mistarech, instead of depending upon others, not just leave your Shabbat meal as not so adorned with beauty and special, uh, unique uh, foods. It says Tosafot, Suggest Tosafot, maybe this is a circumstance where the Gemara in Masechet Pesachim explains the side from Maharshal, there is no person to turn to. In other words, what Tosafot distinguishes between is two cases. Either in our Gemara you have someone to borrow from, and you'll in turn pay back. The Gemara Masechet Pesachim is there's no one to borrow from. Either nobody trusts you, or there just is nobody. Don't turn to tzedakah, where there's no payback, per se. That's aseh shabbatecha, hold out tzedakh labirio. Our Gemara, I guess, is a little bit more honorable. It might be difficult, but it's a loan. And as there is... Is it taken to employ or something? The Mishnah, the beginning of the last tafsadite, tamud bet, maseh pesachim, says for the arba kosot, even from the soup kitchen it's a specific halakha it's not a general halakha that's why the Mishnah needs to tell you about the Arba Kosot but that's the distinction then of Tosafot continues the Gemara now that we're talking about your food and preparation when you do don't have it let's talk about uh, some business advice and some tzedakah understandings if you want to be successful with your real estate and fields and things of that sort don't get too excited not going to be very relevant for you unless you own fields and you know about this tree uh, a person wants to keep their possessions they want to keep strong in terms of I'm doing well in business, or I will do well, and I want to sustain it. I don't want to lose it. I don't want to come under attack. I don't want any, anyone stealing it or making claims. What should you do? You should plant an eder. Rashi says, ilan hashuvu. That's a, uh, that's, a, that's a prominent and important tree. Yesh lo shem, explains Rashi, four lines into the wide ones. Lemerahok. It has a name, even from a distance. People hear about the planting of this tree. If I plant an eder in my field, everybody will be talking about it. 
Lehavdil, I imagine today someone buys a fancy car and it's unique and it's different. Everybody has conversation about it. Everyone's talking about it. So this tree will give you a name. You don't want a name. With your field, you want a name. As a result of planting that tree, everybody realizes this is my field. The word got out. People were talking about it. Nobody will mistaken down the line. Oh, it must have been not really his. He was just hanging. He was just squatting on the field. What do you mean? He planted the tree. Everybody was talking about it as a result. And as a result, if you need to travel, and someone else comes and squats on the field, someone else claims that it's now theirs, you now have many witnesses. Who are your witnesses? Your witnesses are that tree, and everyone who knows that tree was planted by you. And if you were to alternatively have sold it, everybody will know. Everybody would know now it's someone else's. In other words, the advice, and I guess you can apply this accordingly if you do have such fears in today's day and age, is to establish something that's not going to get the eyes and words of the people in a negative way. But it's understood, this is yours. There's something that's your marking. Says, says the statement in the Gemara, it's by planting an Ede tree. But he goes a bit further. He cites a Pasuk. Now this Pasuk, of course, is not talking about agricultural success. and It's referring to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Adir Bamarom, it's the strength, it's the status of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And so he likens it to this tree known as Edir. It's an Edir tree. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Adir Bamarom. He has that prominence in the heavens. As a result, it says, by planting the Edir tree, understand you'll have that sort of success. That's the stance, the understanding of the Gemara according to Rashi. Rabbeinu Hananel on the right-hand side says there's a different interpretation to this Gemara. He says, this Gemara... Uh, if you take a look at it, um, we can find it. Do you know what tree this is? Uh, I don't know. What does the art scroll say? Wide line. <laughs> Beautiful. Fantastic. It's the wide line. All right. Yeah, well, it's different in mine. Yeah, yeah. So, says the Gemara. All right. An Eder tree. That's what you got. Um, that's what I have for you, Alan. Uh, so, Rabbeinu Hananel has Vamar Biyohanan Aroteshi It Kaimun Nechasav Yitabahen Eder. Kilomar, explains Rabbeinu Hananel. You understand its context in our Gemara, even though it's not spelled out explicitly, is if you want success, plant this tree, which will in turn give you fruits, which you'll give to Tzedakah. And that's the Adir Bamarom Hashem. We're referencing HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we're transforming this property into something of merit, into something of helping others. That's his understanding. So you want success in business in turn, I'll make certain that you utilize your, your assets and plant the proper assets so that you can give tzedakah. Mm-hmm. Lastly, and another angle with regards to envisioning success in the physical and spiritual domain, Mi'iri, Rabbeinu Menachem HaMi'iri has yet another interpretation to this Gemara. He says, plant an Eder tree because it will remind you every time you look at it of Adir Bamarom Adonai, the name of the tree which has incorporated within it uh, a reference to God will in, turn trans- will in turn transform your objectives at work. If I have a constant reminder that God is involved, that God is dictating the laws and governing the ethics and morality that I engage with as I'm involved in my business, 
well, that's a successful business. So the Eder is not so much because of its physical nature, nor is it as Rabbeinu Hananel suggests, because you're going to give of it from, uh, to others. It's because of my mindset entering into this. I look at this, I say, here's my Adir Bamarom Hashem. It means every time I make a business deal, I'm finding, I'm realizing God's Adir Bamarom in this context. That will be your success. Okay, all are important. Every single one of them. I think we can understand. Fascinating. 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 Says Jared, not only is the context of Rabbeinu Hananel appropriate in this context uh, with regards to Siddakah, he says the fact that we're talking about business. And at the same time, right after that, we quote a pasuk, Vadir Bamarom Hashem. It means we're incorporating the Hetzion Hashem into the Hetzion Hashem. It means as well, when we're talking about the Yom Tov, we're turning to others maybe, but we're dedicating it to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. To a certain extent, this Gemara, he's suggesting, is bringing us through on the theme, on the stream of thought of Rabbi Yehoshua, of Hetzion Hashem, Hetzion Hashem. Live your life in a way which incorporates and develops um, this uh, tethering, this connectedness between your own endeavors, your own engagements and successes, and your relationship with Borei Olam. Says the Gemara, Iname, alternatively, uh, Iname, Name means also, or also. Um, what's this idea of the Eder? Adra Kishme. Kedamre Inche, Mai Adra de Kayeme le Dare Dare. Instead of quoting the Pasuk Adir Bamarom Hashem as, so to speak, the significance of the Eder tree. It's because of its name. Well, what do you mean its name? Well, don't you know, as people say, there's an adage, it's an aphorism, it's the people's expression. You go out on the street, listen to them. What do they say? They say, my adra. Why do we have that word called adra, like the month, adar? What's adra? The kayema ledare dare. The idea of adra, this tree known as eder, is because it's milashon dor. Dor means generation. Adra means it will be around for many generations. Once you look at so it, it, it doesn't change anything per se in terms of what we've been discussing, but instead of envisioning the Eder as its significance in the respect that, well, it reminds me of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it reminds me of perpetu- per- perpetuity. It reminds me of something that continues. Adra, dare, dare, for many not generations. Not, not, not for many Interesting. Um, the Gemara and Masechet... Um, a sukkah and uh, maybe lamid dalid lamid gimal when it's being doresh peri etadar. One of the interpretations over there is milashon hadar. You know, in one of the interpretations over there is to take hadar and to turn it into idur and matters of that sort. But I always understood that as being not peshat hadar. I think the he. Unless you tell me uh, etymologically, it's not so. And the Aleph of Adar, I think, are different. But the Gemara over there does. It says, Milashon Idur is one of the interpretations. Okay, interesting thought. It says the Gemara onward, Tanyana Mehache, we have a Beraita as well, which will support what we mentioned a moment ago with regards to Yom Tob. Sadeh Yeshba Eder, excuse me, no, with regards to this verse. A field which has an Eder, which has that tree, we're interpreting it as based on that first Rashi. It will uh, not be stolen. It won't, the thieves won't uh, approach it because they know this, this is the mark that it's yours. And then Hmeset, a Hamsan, the Gemara tells us in Masechet Bavakama in one or two places, is different than a Gazlan or a Ganav. A Hamsan is a person who comes with force but hands you money. Oh, you don't want to sell me this field? Well, uh, let me take you into the back room. Let me put the money in your hand and tell you, if you don't take this field and this money, uh, well, there might be repercussions. That's a hamsan. He's handing you money, 
but it's not, not really, uh, you're not really giving it uh, willingly. And then lastly, a field that has an ender in it, its fruits are mishtamirin, they are protected. Uh, what does that mean that its fruits are protected? Rashi has two interpretations. The three lines from the bottom, Perotea Mishtamirin, says Rashi initially, and we always love, at least I do when Rashi admits this to us, First and foremost, let me tell you, I'm not certain. I don't know why uh, an Eder tree, says Rashi, gives you protection with regards to its fruit. But it I have like an oak tree. What's that? Sounds like an oak tree. Oh, is that so? It's it's an oak tree protects An oak tree, no, not no, I, I oh, okay, first interpretation of Rashi, one second. So, so now, now Rashi says, in terms of his first interpretation, The first interpretation of Rashi, and this is probably what Eli is referring to, is that the tree, what does it mean? Not per se its own fruits, but it protects the fruits on your field. What do you mean? You would plant it on the border of your field so that it was your property line tree. That's right. So that's what it is. That's the reference over here. It's a strong tree with a lot of branches. It gives you that sort of protection. Linera, Rashi says, but to me, I believe it's different. And now he changes direction and course on everything we've been discussing until now. We were assuming in the Eder was a tree. He says, maybe it's Shumina Esef Hashuv. It's not a tree. It's rather a type of grass. It's a type of um, uh, item that you plant into the ground. And its seed, and its seed then uh, becomes intermingled with anything and everything that's, that's growing. And we're referring not to a field with, with, uh, with um, the, the fruits that we refer to, generally speaking. It's rather like a grain field. And as a result of planting this in the field, it wards off the worms and anything that would deteriorate your crops. Because the smell, the odor of that, uh, of that uh, seed which you put into the ground wards off any of these potential threats to your, to your, to your produce. That means to say Rashi is uncertain, but ultimately speaking, if you're to figure out what this Eder is, well, it's a good idea to plant it in your field for one of several reasons, guys. The words you used was, it sounded like Hamse. And it sounds like this... The Hamsan. Yeah, yeah, but Hamse is Milashon Hamesh. Hamsan, I don't think so. It's Milashon Hamas, Vatimale. All right. All right, anyway, it says the Gemara, interesting though, you know, it's, it's hard. Tane Rav Tahlifa Ahuha de Rabbanai Hoza'a Statement here is basing itself on a Mishnah and Gemara and Masechet Roshanan Daftet Zayin that the Gezardin, the Pesaktin, the determination in the heavens with regards to your financial s- success during the year, or, or, or lack thereof, is determined on Rosh Hashanah, that's when the book, so to speak, is open, and closed on Yom Kippur. And as a result, overexerting with regards to your spending is the implication, is a futile uh, uh, effort, because ultimately speaking, something was determined with regards to how much can and will go out and come in. However, however, obviously there are many questions anytime you talk about curtailing our freedom of choice, no question, 
but the purpose over here, and it's certainly for one minute now that remains, is not on that initial statement, it's more on the stress which comes afterwards, except for, whereas with regards to your regular finances, realize that to a certain extent something's determined, but when it comes to other matters, and that first part we'll leave on the side at least for now, there, there you should go all out. Interesting, thank you. Thank you, Eli. It happens to me, I work in a school. Uh, except for, says the Gemara, um, except for the amount that you uh, put out for Shabbatot, the amount that you spend for Yom Tov, and the amount that you spend for your children's education. In those circumstances, it'll be determined based on your effort, your exertion. If you don't give a lot, you won't get back a lot. If you do give a lot, you will get back a lot. It's an important statement in context, but beyond that, that's the Ani Porea. So the first two, Shabbat and Yom Tov, we kind of saw referenced in the Gemara earlier. Where'd you get this last statement? Unless, it's a sketch, as Eli says. Where'd you get the tuition in this as well? In other words, the first two, at least the Gemara already gave us some sort of, I'll point to the Pasuk, go and give to others. So Sefer Nehemiah kind of gives us some sort of promise. But you don't have that with regards to Torah, do you? The Tap Tosafot suggests it's from the same Pasuk. It's the same Pasuk because Hedva, as we mentioned, means happiness. And the Pasuk in Tehilim with regards to Torah says, the same way Torah brings you happiness, and uh, on holidays you have that happiness. The statement in the Pasuk is, if you're immersed, if you're engaged in, the happiness of godliness, of spiritual endeavors, of Yom Tov, of Shabbat, but even of Torah, in that circumstance, that gives you the strength. That's the Ani Porea Lachem. Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen.